I'm so excited that you're with us in this second service. I want to welcome those that are joining us online in our second service as well. If you're new with us today, we especially want to welcome you, and we're so glad we're all together this morning. We are in a series this morning that we've been in for three weeks. I'll catch us up to speed. If you missed any, it's okay. Uh, I first want to share with you that a few years ago, my wife and my girls, we were leaving after a Christmas Eve, one of our Christmas Eve services, and um, Heather's family's here today. Her parents are here today, but it wasn't their turn. It was my family's turn, and so it was the Christmas that we went to my family. And so after Christmas Eve, we started driving to Kansas City. We got to uh, Emporia, and at that point, it's about 9 o'clock at night. I can't remember what it was, but it was late, uh, filled up with gas. And one of the girls, I don't remember which one, said, um, they kind of looked in the back over their shoulder, and they said, where's the presents? Did anybody pack the presents, to pack the gifts? And we all kind of looked at each other. None of us had packed the gifts. Um, common sense said, hey, our family will understand Christmas isn't about the gifts, it's about Jesus. That was my argument. I said, let's just go on. We'll give them a rain check. We'll send, it to send something in the mail to them, but let's go on. I was outvoted three to one, four to one, if you include the dog. Um, all of them said, no, we are going back. I was like, well, it's supposed to be in a three and a half hour trip. It's now going to be a four and a half hour trip. And so we went home. We went home and we reclaimed our gifts, packed them up in the car. We are in a series today called Restore. It's a study in the book of Ezra. And if you want to know simply what it's about, it's about returning home and receiving the gift of, of our identity in Christ and who we're meant to be. It's a story of, of an Old Testament story. And if, if you are new and um, you maybe don't even know where the book of Ezra is, that's okay. Um, it's one of the first of the minor prophets that pops in. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There was a song that we sang, you know, Joshua, Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicle, Ezra. Um, that's if you're weird and grew up in church singing those little tiny songs. But anyway, Ezra is after all that. And Ezra is a great book. It was actually written together with a book called Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah in its original text was together. Um, and Ezra is believed to be the writer of both of those. Uh, both are rebuilding. Uh, Nehemiah is about rebuilding the, the walls of Jerusalem. Ezra is about rebuilding the temple of Jerusalem, rebuilding God's temple. And that was to come first. And so um, what's important for us to know, just a Reader's Digest version, is Israel, God's people, had turned their backs on God. They'd walked away from him for 490 years. They didn't give thought of him. They weren't mindful of him. They had walked away from him. Uh, 70 years, at the end of that 70 years, they were taken captive by Babylon, uh, what is today modern-day Iraq. And they were brought into captivity. 19 years later, the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem to the rubble, to the end. Temple, walls of Jerusalem, everything destroyed. And then uh, Babylon was overtaken by Persia. Persia is modern-day Iran. And it was overtaken. And Babylon had no favor at all on Israel. And, uh, but when Persia overtook Babylon, God put a man in charge that gave favor to his people. Uh, it was not Israel's king, but it was King Cyrus. It was the Persia's king, but God had moved in his heart to give favor to the people of Israel to go back home, to return home, and to rebuild. And so they began a journey to go back and rebuild. And if you're wondering what this has to do with your life and, your, my, and my life, I believe most all of us 
if not now, it's seasons or seasons or in the future, in the past or present, need things in our life that we want God to restore. We want God to rebuild. I, I believe you're here today because you, you want God to do something. You want God to move in your heart and in your life. You want maybe him to restore your marriage, restore your family, restore a, a prodigal son or daughter, bring him home, restore something in your church, restore something in your, in your business. You want God to restore. This is a story of restoration. It's a great story of restoration. And the first two chapters kind of tells us the steps of restoration. The first being you have to return. You have to return. Uh, over and over uh, in, the, in the Old Testament is, is a return to God, return to me. Or another word for that is repent. Repent simply means to change directions, to change our mind and change direction. We were going this way. Now we, we repent of that. We're going to go a different direction, and God's going to use that to restore us. And then the second part of that in chapter 2 was about reclaiming our identity in Christ, reclaiming who we are in, in God and who he called us to be. So the steps so far, first couple weeks, return and repent. Last week was reclaim. Today is about rebuilding. And we're going to specifically talk in chapter 3 about three steps to God rebuilding and what he wants to do and what that means to us. And the first is chapter, if you dive in today, chapter 3, first of all, before I get there, um, a little bit more about rebuilding. Uh, when Heather and I first moved to California in 2001, around 9-11, uh, we were actually driving during 9-11 when all that happened. We moved, there was, we were a sports pastor at this church, and there was a, a builder in the church. He built homes, and he built starter homes. And he was kind of like, hey, he wanted us to look at one of his starter homes to, that we had built from the ground up instead of just going out and buying a home. Now, the downside for that was we had to live with someone for three months. And my brother-in-law and sister were like, we got three kids, you're not living with us. So we're like, maybe that's not an option. But there was a great older couple, John and Donna Knox, in our church that brought us into their home. And for three months, we lived in their home. No one could be more excited when that home was finished than John and Donna. And we, 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 when we first met with the builders, SME builders, we first met with them, we went away, Heather and I talked about it, then we went back to the builder, we went back to SME builders and we said, okay, we would like to do this. And so he took us and showed us some properties and we claimed a property and then the building process started. And that's the same for us. The master builder, we must first return to the master builder who will then claim property, reclaim us, give us an identity in him, and then we begin the rebuilding process. So today's the rebuilding. Chapter 3, verse 1, the first step to rebuilding is this. In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Uh, my NIV translation, it says, all the people gathered together as one. There's another translation that says they became like one man or one person. They came together. I want to give a disclaimer as I start this message. The first part of this message, it's like a rocket going off. It takes a lot of energy. 90% of the energy is for the rocket getting off the ground, then 10%. So after I get first past section one, don't multiply that by three and feel like we're going to be here till two o'clock, okay? The first part of this message is so important because you cannot build without this first thing. It's unity. You have to come together. Anything, it's easy to tear down. 
It's easy to tear something down. It's easy to tear down a marriage. It's easy to tear down a family. It's easy to tear down a church. It's easy to tear down a business. It's easy to tear down a community. You don't need a bunch of people to make that happen. You only need a few. You may only need yourself. You don't need a community to come together to tear something down. Anyone can do that. Anyone, it doesn't take effort, doesn't, it's not hard work, but it takes effort. It takes coming together. It takes unity to do anything in this life of, of value or purpose. And we're meant to be unified to build for a purpose. And the children of Israel, the, the, the Jews, they knew, they knew what they were building and why they were building and who they were building it for. They knew they were coming back to build God's temple. They knew they were coming back to build God's city, his Jerusalem. They knew who they were doing it for. They were doing it for God and for his glory. They knew their purpose and they knew why. Any team, business, or organization, to do anything of value, they have to come together as one. They, they have to, and, and watch out, when a business or a team, uh, when, you know, the teams that came together this year, they're still playing. <laughs> The teams like mine that didn't come together, they're not still playing. You got to come together as one to do something. You got to come together for one purpose, for, for, for his purpose. And watch out when you do. When you come together, watch out. Great things begin to happen. When marriages come together, great things happen. When families come together, great things happen. The same can be said, though, when watch out when we don't come together. It leaves destruction it leaves collateral damage in its wake. In, in our marriages, when a marriage is unified in their purpose, especially for a believer, and the purpose is to glorify God, when you come together and you know your purpose, your marriage is so much more than just uh, about you being happy. But there's a greater, when you understand that God has a purpose beyond yourselves, for it, it, it'll do great things in this world. God wants to do great things in, in our world. On the same token, when we don't come together, there's great collateral damage. There's, there's damage in its wake that's left behind. Same is true in the church. When we come together as one body, as one people, and we're united behind one purpose, we're behind the mission, we're all come together, watch out. There's, there's, a, there's something about ready to take off. There's power in the unity of understanding our purpose and our mission. For us, our mission, just remind us of our mission today, it's to inspire people to take their next step in their journey with Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. We get excited wherever. We're all in different places in our journey. Some of you haven't started that journey today. Others of you are on that place. You've been on this journey a while, but you're never done. Until, until we're with Jesus in heaven, we're not done on this journey. So we get excited when people take their next step in their journey with him. And it's powerful. One of the, the ways that we do that is around, that we build on our mission is through our core values. That our, our to reach our mission, we want to reach wide into our community and into our world. That's why we give to missions that we'll, we'll never see those, some of those friends across the world till we're in heaven. That's why we give locally and do things around here because we want to reach wide with the love of Christ. We want to grow deep. I believe that's why you're here today. No one, you came here, I believe this, whether you know it or not, you came here because you want to be better. You want to grow. You want your marriage to grow, your family to grow. You want, there's no one that came here today that said, you know what, I'm going to go to church today and I hope to take a little step back. I'd, I'd like to just take a couple steps back and kind of kick back here. I don't really want to go forward. I just want to move back. No one, none of you, no one came here today with that mindset. Every single one of you, every single one of us 
came together because we want to move forward. We want God to do more. We want to see, uh, we want to see what he'll do. And that means coming together as one behind the mission, growing deep. We're a church that's unleashing compassion. We believe we're most like Jesus when we're showing compassion to our community and to our world. And then we're a church that's here to raise up the next generation. We don't want the church just to be here for us. We want it to be for here, our kids and our grandkids. We want them to hear the gospel. We want them to respond to the love of Jesus. It means, and it's so important that we come together as a church. Verse, verse 1 again, they assembled together as one. You came here because you wanted to flourish. And when we come together as a church, that's where we flourish. God designed it that way. In, uh, in, Psalm chapter 90, in Psalm 92, verse 12 and 13, it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow. We all want to grow. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. God's saying the way you're going to grow, the way that you're going to flourish is to be planted in God's house to be planted with God's people. He made us for one another. He made us to be connected in community with one another. My question for us today is, are your roots planted in God's house? Have you connected with God's church and his people? There's an independent study. This was not a Christian study done by the National Institute for Health Care Research. They performed a decades-long study of 2,700 different people to discover what factors help lower mortality rates. In the end, only one influence was statistically significant. Can you guess what that is? Church attendance. This is an independent study. They said church attendance, being a part of a church, not only means you grow spiritually, but it's actually good for our health. It helps us grow physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's church attendance helps you grow spiritually, emotionally, physically, because we were made for community. We're made for connection. God made us to connect with one another. And when we connect with one another, we, we give, we receive nourishment, we receive support. Uh, Pastor Christie and her family, they've been receiving support. They, the staff and us and, and the church, it's a time to come together and gather when we need support. There's times where you go through hard times in your life and you're going to need support. And we need, we need nourishment and, and we need things that build us up in the same way um, we're called to be those that help bring nourishment and to help, and to help bring support to others. I've heard sometimes some people say, you know, I'm good. I really don't need the church. Well, that's selfish. The church needs you. People need you. Every one of us, my dream would be that every one of us walks through these doors and doesn't just come in and say, how am I going to grow or what am I going to get from this? What's God going to do in me? But what's God going to do through me? Who can I encourage today? Who can I walk in? And if I'm discouraged and you look for someone that's discouraged, I'm telling you, if you go to encourage someone, you are going to be encouraged yourself. That's biblical. The proverb says, he who refreshes others is himself or herself refreshed. When you refresh others, when you do things for others, when you lift others up, it does something for you. So we believe this is a place that matters, that everyone needs a place, as we say around here, to belong. We believe you belong here. Maybe you're looking for a place to belong. We believe this is a place to belong. We've had uh, quite a few guests in the last several weeks since Christmas. We had a lot even before Christmas. So uh, we want to give you an opportunity to connect because we, you matter. And we believe you belong here. We want to give you an opportunity to connect and belong here. On February 5th, 
we are going to have a connection lunch. If you're new here in the last three months, and if you like free food, catered food, it won't be something that I cook, it'll be catered, it'll be good, it'll be delicious. But if you just like to feed your kids for a day and not have to, it won't be, a, it's not a membership class, it's not to show up and sign up on the dotted line for different things. We just want to connect with you. We want you to meet our pastors. We want to meet some of our key leaders. We want you to know a little bit more about this church. We won't keep you long, but we did strategically place it on this day, on February 5th for a reason. Because the week before is the AFC and NFC championship game. So we didn't want to do it on that day. Two weeks later is the Super Bowl on the 12th. So we didn't want to do it on that day. So we did it on February 5th because that is the Pro Bowl. And anyone knows anything about the NFL these days, the Pro Bowl is a waste of your time. <laughs> Don't waste your time with the Pro Bowl. If you want to be dumber, stupider, if you want to watch the Pro Bowl, it's disgusting. They've resorted to, get this, they've resorted to touch football this year. They're playing flag football. They're not even playing the real thing. Don't waste your time. You're wasting your day. You're wasting your energy. You're wasting your life to watch the Pro Bowl. So would you join me on February 5th in protests, in, in a sign of unity and demonstration, we're all going to, we're all going to protest. We're not going to watch the Pro Bowl. We're not going to give them our, our time and our commercials and our, our eyes. We're not going to do it together. Let's do a good thing together. Yes, you can clap for that. Seriously, we would love for you to connect. We would love to connect with you. February 5th for a short lunch. You can sign up by... Uh, texting the word Hutch to 94,000. There's actually a place that you can say connection lunch. You can check that or your connection cards that you throw in the back of the, in the boxes on your way out. We don't have a, we didn't print off new cards for those. Just write lunch next to the connection. Just write lunch and we'll know that we'll follow up with you to give you that invitation. We want you to be connected because friends, you need the church. I know this about you. You need the church and the church needs you. I heard an illustration this last week. I like to watch messages and I heard a preacher share an illustration and he said, imagine this. It's kind of gross illustration. He said, imagine cutting your hand off and putting that hand out on a table. Is that hand still a hand? Yes, it's still a hand. Does it still function the way it's supposed to? No, it doesn't. It's no longer useful. And not only is it not longer useful, it begins to stink and it's going to decay. That is meant to be connected to the body. Are we as a church, God's people, we are the body of Christ. We're described in the, in, in, in the scriptures as the body of Christ. And we're described as being the head and the feet and the hands and the eyes and the ears. We all have these different parts that we play. And when we don't have the hand or we don't have the foot, we're not operating the way God wants us to be. God needs you and you need the church. And God has given us the church as a, like a water source to refresh, replenish, and restore his people. So when we disconnect from the church, we're just, we're going to dry up. Because that was God's plan. Christ died for the church and we're met for the church. The second thing you're going, okay, point two. Don't multiply by three. Point two. Number two is build an altar. Build an altar. Verse two. Then Jeshua, and by the way, several of you came up to me last week with good intentions, including my wife. And she says, don't you know how to pronounce Joshua? 
I mean, how long? I mean, I've had multiple people say, it's Joshua, not Jeshua. No, it's not. This wasn't the Joshua. In, it was Jeshua in this. And, and this isn't a misspell. This is a different Joshua than the one that you're thinking of. This is Jeshua, which I don't even know Jeshua that well. But then Jeshua, son of, we're not going to worry about that one, joined his fellow priest and Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, with his family in rebuilding the altar, the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. The first thing they did was they built an altar. They didn't build a foundation. They didn't build the walls. They, no no sheetrock. They built an altar first. And if you want to build your life on something solid, you'll start with an altar. If you want to build your marriage, you'll start with an altar. If you want to build your family, you'll start with an altar. Now listen, the altar isn't the way that it was for Ezra. That was the time of when animal sacrifices had to be sacrificed, blood had to be shed in order for sins to be covered. Jesus is our final sacrifice. He is the complete and final sacrifice. His shed blood on the cross was for us. We don't come to the same. The altar that we come to is the cross of Christ. Our altar is the cross. Our altar in any, anything that goes well in this life, if you want your life to go well, your marriage to go well, your family to go well, your, you, just any, you want it to go well, start with the cross. Start your life at the foot of the cross, bowing to Jesus, giving your heart and life to him, and let him begin to do the work in you. And they began with an altar. And don't be ashamed. I, I feel that God, there's, I feel like God's been wanting to break through in, in our worship, in our first and second service. I feel like there's things that God's wanting to break through in our lives. And this doesn't make you more spiritual because you raise your hands or anything. But I think there's some that sometimes you just, you want to, you feel it. And you want to, you want to worship God and you want to praise God. But you're worried about what your neighbor, don't worry about those around you are thinking. You just worry about what God thinks. Just, just let it go. Look at verse 3. Despite the fear of the people around them, they built an altar. They didn't care. Despite, now, they did care. They, they were worried about what their enemies thought around them. But despite their fears, despite what their enemies thought, they were going to worship. They were going to praise. They were going to build an altar to their God. And finally, the third step in rebuilding or building is to put God first. To put God first. Fifteen days before the festival of shelters began, their priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. So they came, and the first thing they did is they gathered, and they gathered offerings on the first day of the month, on the first of that seventh month, when they first moved into that community, when they first came back to Jerusalem, the first thing they did is they built an altar and they brought their offerings. This isn't about money. This is about offering God our everything. This is about God being first in everything. This is about God being first before your spouse. This is about putting God first before your kids. This is about God putting God first before your business. This is about God putting first before your bills, giving to him first. It's about uh, you starting your day with God, giving him your first. When we give God our first, it's giving God our best. And they gave God their best. The first thing they did when they arrived in their town, when they returned to God's city, they built an altar to worship him. If 
you build an altar to worship God in your heart and in your life and you're bound at the cross, there's no greater place to begin and start your life. I told you that I like to watch messages. I see some of my life group out here today and they receive some of my texts at different times because uh, an occupational hazard of mine is I like to watch messages. I like to watch good preaching and so I'll turn on other messages. Plus I like to be fed myself. I like to hear good preaching. And so I usually watch several messages a week, different things across the country. I'll come across something. And my poor life group, um, oftentimes I'll think, man, this is just so good. I got to send it on to them. And so, you know, I'm throwing them messages. They're getting it. And I think sometimes they're like, hey, that's good. I don't know if they saw it or not. And other times, you know, they're probably like thinking, would you stop? <laughs> we don't need any more. Once is enough. Well, that's all we need. But I love to hear good messages, good preaching. And on this point, last week, uh, I was watching a message the week before. I was watching a message about putting God first. And I thought, you know what? I can't say it any better than Pastor Craig Hodges of Birmingham, Alabama said it. So I'm just going to let him say it. It's five minutes. I'm not going to show you a whole message. We're not going to be here till 12. But I just want you to watch five minutes of this message of what it is to put God first. Did you know that Harvard came out with a study? Harvard. Now, this is not a Christian study. Harvard. They're trying to figure out how to, reduce, how to make the divorce rate not so high. And so they were looking, are there factors to get it away from the one out of two end up in divorce? And they found, they found, they found something. This is Harvard. They found you can reduce the divorce rate to one out of every 1,246. And this goes back to that third principle I taught you. Remember, God should be first. We make God first by giving the first of everything. And then God will bless the rest. Well, here's the evidence. Here's, here's hard data evidence from people that weren't looking for a Christian answer. And you can get it to 1,246 if you attend church, discuss the Bible, and pray. Well, well yeah. Like the play actually works. And what do you have to lose to go ahead and give it your all and just try and see? Here's the last one. Because the, when the piano plays, you know, it's, it's like the Academy Awards. Get off the stage. It's time for you to get out. All right. And that is, I want you to give God the first of your day. So I've told him how to do it to your year, prayer and fasting, month through tithing, week by church and full Sabbath day. You know this stuff will work. You know it. And give God the first of your day. I didn't say all day, just the first part. Jesus did this very early in the morning. He got up. The psalmist David did this very early in the morning. I'm going to lay my request before you. Now, God doesn't mind hearing from you all day long. I'm telling you there's something special about it being first. And not all day, because that's, that's an unreasonable ask to ask you. And some preachers will say, you need to get in there and spend an hour with God. Most of you don't have that. I tell you what you do have, you can give him 15. And I'm asking you to test this and see if it doesn't work. Like the first 15. Read five minutes of the Bible. I don't know what to read. Go to our app. There's a little white banner at the top right that says one year Bible. Click on it. It's going to give you an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a Psalm and a Proverb. Now that's about 15 minutes of reading and a devotional. But if you only have five minutes, just read the Psalm. Just read the Proverb. That'll take you two minutes. 
Like get in the word and, and, and never miss. I, if I have a 5.30 a.m. flight, I'll do it, I'll do it in, while I'm waiting for the plane to board. I'm, 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 I am not gonna not start my day without God's word. And I don't want you to either. Try it. And then five minutes in worship. So that means that's one song. Find your favorite song and lift up those bad boys in your house. And tell God how much you love him. And I'm telling you, your, your day's gonna be different. You know it is. And then five minutes in prayer. Lay your request before him. Say, PC, why are you, why are you doing this? I'm gonna tell you why. Because I've been doing this 40 years and there's a frustration to my job. And this is the frustration. And that is, I know what God has for you, but I do know what it requires from you to get it. And so I try everything in my power to like get all this blessing your way. And I'm just, I'm just here to say, if what, what you're doing you're happy with, don't change a thing. But if what you're doing you're not happy with, what do you have to lose? Put God first. And I found this little story and I'll close with it. It's, it's our life, your life, my life in five chapters. Chapter one, I went out for a walk. I fell into a deep, dark hole. It took me a long time to get out. Chapter two, I went out for a walk and I fell into the same deep, dark hole. And it took me a long time to get out. I've heard this story over and over. Chapter three, I went out for a walk and this time I saw the hole, but I got too close. And I fell into it and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter four, I went out for a walk and this time I saw the hole and I walked around it. Chapter five. I went down a different street. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it different. And that's what I think Christian. Put God first. Pastor Dustin's up here playing the piano. That means it's time for me to close. Put God first. That's the simple message of today. Put God first. You'll never regret putting God first. But I tell you what you will regret is when you did what the children of Israel did and they put them on the back burner. And one year turned into 10 years and 10 years turned into 20 and 20 turned into 100 and it turned into 490 years apart from God. It turned into generations. It didn't just impact one generation, it got past it. What you do matters to the next generation. What you do in your life matters to your kids. What you do in your life matters to your grandkids. 70 years they spent in bondage and captivity. Some of us were living in bondage and captivity that God doesn't want us to belong and be, be in anymore. He wants you to put him first. And when you put him first, he's going to open up doors that you didn't know were possible. When you put him first, he's going to do miracles. He's going to be the way maker. He's going to do things that you didn't see before in your marriage, in your family, in your life. When you put God first, things change. Things different. You know, why... Why, what happened after this? I want to share with you the results of putting God first. Chapter 3, verse 11, with praise and thanks. When you put God first, praise and thanksgiving is about to come out. They sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout. 
praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests and Levites, just imagine this, the elders, the, the seniors, the generations that had been through every, all this different things, the older ones, the priests, the Levites, and the other leaders who had seen first, had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far into the distance. A party broke out. Party breaks out when God is put first. A party breaks out when you put God first. A party breaks out when your marriage begins to put God first. A party breaks out when your family gets, puts God first. That's why we celebrate baptisms here that we have in a few weeks. We celebrate baptisms because God has been put first, because people have changed direction. They repented, they're going a new direction. We don't celebrate because their life is now perfect and their life has been built and the, and the house is, they, I mean, they just laid the foundation. And the people were weeping and crying. They were so excited. Heather and I, when we had that home built, we showed up every day to see its progress. And when they laid the foundation, we began to get a dream of where our daughters, uh, we had one at the time, where one, and then where, what the other was going, where were we going to cook our meals, and what Christmas was going to look like. And we began to see the foundation. We, when you turn your life over to God, when you put your marriage first and give God your marriage, when you put your family first, you begin to dream again. You begin to get a, a dream that God has for your family, God has for your marriage, God has for your life. And so you begin to celebrate. We celebrate baptisms not because it's a completed product and the business is finished, because none of us are finished work. None of us are finished business. We celebrate because someone changed direction. Someone's going a new direction now. They're not going the old way. They're a new person in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. It's why we celebrate when someone raises their hands and says, I receive Jesus, even if it's only one hand. We celebrate because someone is going from death to life. Someone started, they were walking the death march, and now they're walking the life march. Now they're walking towards God. They're not complete. They're not finished. They may not even know what it means. But we just know that we celebrate it because they've changed directions. They repented. They're going the other way. You get me? You get me this morning? God, when you, we put God first, I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. I don't care if Dustin was playing or not. We went a little long. If your head's bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I just want the privilege of praying for you as I do each week. Let God speak to your heart right now, just you and God. What in your life right now, you're not going to answer this out loud, just yourself, what are you not putting first? What are you not giving God first? Is your spouse coming before God? Is your kids coming before God? Is your job coming before God? Are your bills coming before you tithe and give to God? Is, is, your, is, is, is there other things that are coming before God? Whatever it is, let's give that to God. Let's surrender. Let's, let's do what that song said today. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around, I just believe there's some things that God wants to restore this year. And we're not saying that we're going to walk out of your finished product today. We're just saying, hey, we're God. We're going to give you permission to start the work. 
we're laying an altar today. We're laying our marriage at the cross. We're laying our life at the cross. We're laying our prodigal son or daughter at the cross. We don't know when the answers are going to come, but we're laying this at the cross. If that's you today, I'm not going to ask what it is, but I just believe there's, you want something restored in your life. You came in here, you're wanting God to restore some things in your life. I don't have to know what it is. God knows what it is. But by faith, you're saying, God, I'm going to give this to you today. I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm going to give this to you. If that's you. No one's looking around, please. Heads bowed. Just raise your hand. You have things you want God to restore in your life. People you want to restore. Things you want to restore. God to restore. Now, many of us, many of us, so many of us. Thank you. You can put them down. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends. By faith, they may be at the end of themselves saying, I don't have the answers. I don't know what to do. I've been praying about this. But Lord, by faith, I'm asking you to restore. Maybe it's to restore my marriage, to restore my family, to restore my children, to restore my life. Maybe you're today, you're you don't know what it's going to look like, but you're saying, God, I need your help to overcome this addiction. Now, I'm coming to the cross this morning. I'm laying my addiction at your cross, and I'm asking for you to show me the next step, whether it's a counselor or whatever that is, but we celebrate today that, God, you're moving in hearts right now. Lord, may we walk out of here knowing that you have victory for us, that you're going to help us, you're going to restore us, you're going to do something new in us. And with your heads bowed and your eyes still closed this morning, you're here today and we're a church that celebrates the next steps, the first steps. And today, maybe you've walked away from God for a long time or maybe you have never given Jesus Christ your heart and your life. But today, you're going to make that step. And by faith, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to pray like I just did. But today, you are giving Jesus Christ your life. You're coming to the cross. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and I'm just going to pray for you. One, two, three. Just do it. Just raise your hand if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. And more important, if I didn't see it, God sees those hands. You can put your hands down. We're going to now open our eyes. We're going to pray this together. We're praying this as a statement of our faith each week, as a confirmation of what we've done, but also so those who are making this statement of faith today, they're not doing it alone. So let's just pray this together. Repeat after me. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those who made this statement of faith today for the first time? Put God first and you watch what he's going to do in your life this year. Pastor Aaron, he's gone. I'm going to get, would you give the last little part? Huh? Okay, you don't have a mic. I'll just do it. Pastor Aaron's busy with our middle schoolers. Here's what I'll say. Connection lunch. If you could sign up for our Connection Lunch, you're new, we'd love to. If you're here in the last several months, we'd love for you to sign up for the Connection Lunch. The other thing is, you raise your hand today. You made that decision to follow Jesus. We have New Believers Bibles at both of our four years. It's a free gift to you. It's a New Believers because it's like you start at page one. You don't start anywhere else. You don't have to know where to go. You just start at page one, and there's even a 34-day devotional plan of what to read and where to get you started. And then just get on this journey. Keep coming back next week. Let's all grow to God together. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.